Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no-interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Mike Spaulding, I run headlong into the aftermath of your lead story on the news today, the the shelter-in-place order for people not following it. Uh, Bayside Police, last night, late last night, had issued an order saying that there were two armed and dangerous men that Mm -hmm. were on the loose, and you should shelter in place. Now, that was subsequently lifted about 8.30 this morning. But So, here's the deal. I, I, I'm getting my hair cut in Mequon, 8.45. So I, I pull up in the parking lot. I, I go in. And, and the place where I get my hair cut used to have these, like, COVID protocols where you have to, you know, you text them and say, I'm here. And then they'd come and they'd open the door and you could go in and all those things. So the COVID protocols aren't there. So I get there. The appointment's at 8.45. I, I get there about 8.40. I go in and the doors are all locked. I mean, everything's locked. And I'm thinking, Huh, what's going on here? So I, I text the, the woman who cuts my hair and I said, I'm here, the door is locked. And she comes out and it's, it's like this triple lock thing. It's like, you know, like you figure like you're living in New York City, doesn't lock the door. And she says, well, we're all locked in because of the shelter in place order. And so, you know, there's these armed fugitives that are running around. And even though the thing is in Bayside and we're in Mequon, you know, you, you, they could be, they could be here. And so the, they had all the doors locked and stuff. Yeah, no, it was um, it, a lot of we get a lot of texts of people wondering what was going on because you don't get a lot of information when, right. they, when they go out other than two suspects armed and dangerous crash car flee into the woods on their feet. Right now, see here, here is the one point that I was trying to make to everybody. And I have no problems with the shelter in place order and stuff, but it's this was the point I always made about. And there were some people who said I, I don't want to live in there's where they're in a city where there's a prison. Because, you know, you might have an escape. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, okay, here's the bottom line. If people escape from a prison, they're, they're trying to get as far away as they possibly yeah. can from yes. the prison. I mean, if, if you live in Waupon, I mean, it, it's a very, very safe community. Because if somebody busts out of Waupon, they, they want to get as far away as they possibly can. And, and my point was, well, okay, that's fine that you've locked the door. And I appreciate all that. But if you have this incident in Bayside and these people are on the run, I think the answer is they're tro- probably, especially if this happened in the middle of the night, they are as far away as they could possibly get from the scene of the crime. I'm with you. You'd think you'd want to go far away. Are you ever surprised when you read a story it's like so and so has been on the run for four days and they were arrested because they were down the street or like in the town next door well right see and sometimes that's because they have nowhere to go i mean they they don't right as a general rule and you can take this to the bank criminals collectively are not the brightest bulbs (laughs) and so it's it's there's a lot of impulse stuff like the impulse control of fruit flies it's like okay I, i have broken out or Okay, I have slipped my handcuffs and I've jumped out of the door and now I, I've run away and temp. Now it's kind of like, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, where, where, where exactly do I go? Right. How, okay, what, what, is, what is the next step? Because they, they generally tend to, you know, good chess players think, think like eight moves or ten moves mm-hmm. or twelve moves ahead. Generally speaking, criminals, it, it's it's maybe a half a step if <laughs> if that. So, bottom line is, I'm like, okay, why is the door to the the place where I get my haircut closed and locked? And it was because of that. But now we don't have to shelter in place anymore because turns out it was a drug investigation and both uh, of them. 
them are arrested. Both of them were arrested around 10 o'clock in the morning. So that is good. All right. I've shared this story with a couple people. And I will tell you the general response I've gotten is, first, you're making this up. And then secondly, laughter. I am not making this up, but feel free to laugh. We have in this area, as we have talked about on multiple occasions, an epidemic of car theft. Right. I mean, we, we've run the numbers before. It's just an enormous number. I think the last time I checked, the average number of cars stolen per day in the city of Milwaukee was 25. 25 cars a day stolen in the city of Milwaukee. We are on a pace to smash all sorts of records. And that the car thievery, it's not just limited now just to the city of Milwaukee because you're seeing the numbers go up in all the surrounding communities as well as Milwaukee car thieves decide to to spread out. We also know that a large number of the car thieves are in fact juveniles who end up stealing the cars for a variety of purposes. More on that later. In any event, this is a big deal. And, and I argue that car theft is a big deal. It's not just a, a, a victimless crime. There is a victim There is a huge expense to society, and as we will talk about a little bit later on, you see what happens with these cars. These stolen cars are generally generally used for reckless driving. They're used to become rolling drug houses. They're used to commit other crimes. It is a big deal, and we are doing little or nothing as a community. Law enforcement can arrest them. The DA's office will, as a general rule, not waive if it's a juvenile kids into adult court. They will, as a general rule, just simply slap the wrists of adult car thieves. The judges will do little or nothing. It is a disgrace. So into this wades two Milwaukee, city of Milwaukee alder people, alder woman Malaley Coggs and alderman Khalif Rainey. I have in my hands a letter. Now, this letter was sent to Jang Wan Son, who is the president, I guess, of Kia Motors America. That's Kia Motors. And there was a second letter that is identical that was set, sent to a guy named Kurt Byershen, who is the senior counsel pri- privacy and cybersecurity for Hyundai. So the, these are going to big wigs at Kia and Hyundai. Here, here is the letter. Let me read you the one that was sent to the guy from Kia. And this is by from Alderman Malayli Coggs and Alderman Khalif Rainey. Dear Mr. Song, we write to ask that Kia Motors America Inc. make fundamental changes to the mechanisms used to secure its vehicles. We do this not only in the interest of protecting the property and persons of those who purchase your vehicles, but to try to do something to lessen the drain on police and other resources that seems directly attributable to certain defects in their locking system, directly attributable to certain defects in their locking system. We recently asked our police department to review what we perceive to be a spike in vehicles theft. We recently asked our police department to review what we perceive to be a spike in vehicle theft. A spike in vehicle theft? Describing what is going on in Milwaukee, as an aside, as a spike in vehicle theft, well, I don't know. That's kind of like... Cutting your arm wide open and saying, Achi, I have a little scratch. The results were disturbing. To date in 2021, the number of thefts has increased 181% over the same period in 2020. The spike began in November of 2020 and was almost immediately associated by police vehicles with automobiles manufactured by your company and one other. 
Vehicles manufactured by your two companies have accounted for 66% of those stolen in 2021, a number wildly out of proportion with their presence in the city. Anecdotally, local news reports have said your vehicles are being so frequently stolen that there is now significant delay in locating parts to repair them. What well may be worse, though, is that the median age of those arrested for vehicle theft in the period May 24th, 2020 through May 24th, 2021, a period largely contiguous with the surge in thefts, was 18 years old. For all these reasons, we ask that you let us know what your company is doing now and will do in the future to better secure the vehicles you produce. As a city, we have been driven to offering free steering wheel locks for anyone who can prove they own one of your cars. Surely this is not the reputation you want to build in communities like ours throughout the country. Why your vehicles are so frequently stolen is variously attributed in the literature we were able to review, but concern seems to center on the ability of thieves to operate without a key fob. There is some on social media claiming your vehicles can be stolen with nothing more than a USB cable. This is, of course, a subject in which your expertise is greater than ours, and this is why your input and your action is badly needed. We look forward to hearing from you in the near future. All right, you've got cars being stolen all across the city of Milwaukee. You've got young people that are stealing them right and left, and two aldermen, ald- one older woman, one older man, they, they say that, all right, we, we want you, they send a note to Kia and to Hyundai saying, we want you to tell us what you're going to do about it. <laughs> and and th- this is not a reputation that you want your company to get in communities like ours. Our number, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, I swear my, my head is about to explode. You've got you've got car theft, which is you, you can't keep a car on the street. You've got people that are breaking into these cars. They are stealing them right and left. And the response of at least two members of the city council is to say to the manufacturers, you know, your, your cars are too easy to steal. What are you going to do to solve the problem? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If I am the president of either one of these companies, I send a response back saying, wait a second, why don't you tell me what you, our cars are perfectly fine. They are not designed to be stolen. And, and yeah, we'll look at the security stuff, but that's not the real problem. It's not that our cars are easy to steal. It's that you've got so many damn car thieves in the city of Milwaukee that are out there ripping off cars right and left. Alderman, alderwoman, what do you intend to do to keep the city of Milwaukee and your residents safe? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it is it fair to blame the car manufacturers for the, the rise in car thefts. Might we not be looking at what the real problem is, which is all the car thieves in the city in the first place? And do you really think that if, all right, suddenly they made some cars a little bit more difficult to steal, do you think that those car thieves would suddenly stop stealing cars, or would they just start stealing other cars? 855 It's the car dealer's fault? The car manufacturer's fault? All right, 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. I I swear I'm not making this up. Jeff, another example that criminal activity in Milwaukee is always someone else's fault, not the criminals. Ridiculous. The same cars are in my neighborhood. They aren't being stolen. 
Yeah, isn't that an interesting point here? Jeff, thieves are even stealing replacement locks out of the mail. A repair shop told me that one they ordered was stolen from the post office. Jeff, this letter is the absolute stupidest waste of time and money imaginable. How do you do something about car thieves? Why anyone vote for these two is beyond me. Clearly, they have no intention of making the city safer, just making it a tad harder to steal cars. Jeff, punish the people who are thieves. Milwaukee's burning. Hello. Jeff, blame shifting in the extreme. Yes, Jeff, dumb and dumber, but typical of some members of the Common Council. Let's blame everybody else. Jeff, remember, these are the same people that blame gun manufacturers for people committing crimes with guns. Jeff, how ridiculous and embarrassing for Milwaukee. Let's lay blame on everyone and everything except addressing except addressing the real problem, which is, of course, Yes, the fact that you have car thieves that are out there stealing cars right and left. Let's start with uh, Dan and Brown Deer. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Dan. About a year ago, uh, my truck was stolen out of my driveway in Menominee Falls. And I have the ability on my phone to track where it is at all times. And I knew where it was in Milwaukee. And I couldn't get the Milwaukee police to even do anything about it, to even go look at it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. If you can't get the police to help you do something about it, okay. So, so it's now we should tell tell the car manufacturers that it's it's your fault. You're making it too easy for all the thugs to steal your cars off the street. Give me a break. Exactly. I mean, I I, I drove all the way to Lake Park and I saw my truck sitting there. And I called nine one one and said, I'm looking at my truck that was stolen this morning. And they're like, well, we can't help you. And they hung up on me. <laughs> and it was only, I followed the truck. It was only when they got on the expressway that I called the Milwaukee Sheriff's Department, and they chased the people until they crashed. Well, well, yeah, well, that's, they, they should, and I look, mean, I, no, I, I, no, I get it, Dan. No, thanks for calling, looking at, and I'm, look, if you talk to police officers, they will tell you the frustration, that there's so much of this, that, and, and you keep in mind, you know, I, look, car, car theft is a big deal, but you, you've got the number of homicides. We're on pace yet again for another record level of homicides. You've got shootings. And, and so, I mean, I understand. And the frustration the cops have is even if you catch these car thieves, nothing's going to happen to them. John Chisholm's DA's office is going to do nothing to them. The judges in general are going to do nothing to them. And especially if it's a juvenile that does it, they're really going to do nothing. And, and so we, we say to the car manufacturers, gee, it, it's your fault. What are you going to do? You know, what what kind of reputation are you getting? I You, you want to talk about, you know, pot, meat kettle? Jeff, if you make it harder to steal a vehicle, then the number of carjackings is going to go up. They have to take the vehicle from you when it's running because it's harder to do that. Well, I, I think there's a definite element about that. Jeff, all these aldermen do is talk about it over and over again. Nothing gets done. Same old, same old. Um, Jeff, maybe the cars are so easy to steal due to people leaving their keys in the car. But if the car manufacturer, if I was the car manufacturer, I would tell them to pound sand. Well, look, I... I, I, I understand if I'm the, from the perspective of the car manufacturer, if I want to sell cars, one of the concerns I have is, OK, how, how easy is it going to be to break into, you know, break into the car and things like that? But let, let's face it. This is 
this is not the underlying problem, that this particular type of car is easy to steal. The underlying problem is you've got too many car thieves that are out there. Just like the idea of, here, we're going to give away the club. We're going to give away those inter- those, those um, the different locks. Because uh, any sophisticated car thief can get through the car in an extra 15 seconds. I mean, that's that does not solve the problem. Blaming the manufacturer does not solve the problem. But, of course, these aldermen don't want to confront the underlying issue that we have criminals that are out of control on the streets, and they don't want to argue to hold them accountable because that doesn't play well with certain constituencies. If you say, hey, this is a juvenile who's now just stolen his fifth car, well, okay, what we need to do is is we need to take him off the streets. We need to wait, or maybe if it's 17 years old, we need to wave him into adult court. And, yes, we, we need to put them in jail or prison for a while to give them the idea that you can't keep doing this because if you do keep doing this bad stuff is going to happen which we're going to talk about in, in just a couple um, you know minutes Jeff start start charging the parents um, with fines if a if a minor steals a car um, Jeff wow these letter these letters like this make leaders of Milwaukee look ignorant to the rest of of the country I don't know because I maybe some people are saying yeah that's the reaction the reason we have 25 cars being stolen in a day every day in the city of Milwaukee is because Kia and Hyundai well they they they, they've made it a little bit too easy. The thieves know how to circumvent their different procedures, so they've made it a little bit too easy. Uh, maybe some people are saying, yeah, that's it. May, that That is exactly it. If we made it a little bit tougher to steal these type of vehicles, then, then car theft would go down. I, for one, don't buy that. Car theft would just be occurring then. Maybe these are targets of opportunity because it's a little bit easier, but you think that these car thieves wouldn't take that extra 15 seconds it might take to steal some other type of vehicle? Um, I am so glad, Jeff, you're discussing this. Yesterday I saw the blame was being placed on the car manufacturers, then rather than saying that there's a theft problem in the city that needs to be addressed. But this is kind of typical of what you get from the Milwaukee City Council, um, where it's just like, let's try to find someone else to blame instead of confronting the matter. And in this case, well, Mr. Car Manufacturer, what do you intend to do about, you know, this? My favorite line in the letter, surely this is not the reputation you want to build in communities like ours throughout the country. My response would be, all right, Understanding that you have crime that is out of control and you are doing practically nothing about it, surely that is not the reputation that you want for your community when compared to other communities around the country. Just saying. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The threat of inflation increases daily. How it will affect you? How will it affect you and your family? Please join our very own Steve Scafidi and Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management for a live webinar, Summer School, How Inflation Affects Investing, on Wednesday, June 23rd at 4 p.m. To register, please go to WTMJ.com. All right, I, I referenced this story yesterday. We, it was an early Brewers game, and we only had a, a couple minutes, and we didn't open up the phone lines to discuss it. But I, I do want to talk about it. And it's a, Unfortunately, it's a... It's a sad story, but it's a segue from what we were talking about now with the the car thefts. Okay, as a general rule, 
when when cars are stolen, there, there's a couple of things that happen. They're, they're stolen. Why do people steal cars? Well, they, they steal cars sometimes because they want the parts. They want to take them to chop shops and have them broken up. They steal them sometimes because they want to use the stolen cars to commit other crimes. Um, a lot of times these cars become rolling drug houses, you know, but they're untraceable. At least they're untraceable to the drug dealers. In other times, they're used as the, the, the wheel cars. Here, we're going to we're going to um, we're going to go carjack somebody. Well, it's easier if we pull up with a stolen car. It's going to be more difficult to trace us. Hey, we're going to go rob a filling station. Well, if we do that, it's easier if we pull up in a in a stolen car. It's going to be tougher to link it to us because we we've stolen that. And then another reason that these cars are stolen a lot of times by juveniles is that they just do it for fun. And and the idea is we're going to steal the car. We're going to drive as fast and as recklessly around town as we possibly can. We're going to do dope. We're going to climb into the back seat and do whatever. We're going to smash up the car. We're going to destroy it. And then we're just going to leave it somewhere. Somebody will find it. And then we're going to go steal another car. That, that's kind of like the story that the guy who just texted me was telling. You know, his car is stolen. They, they find it a day later, but it's all smashed up. There's drug paraphernalia. There's all sorts of stuff that's in the car. It's just completely and totally trashed. It was just done, I guess, because the people thought they could do it. All right. Well, there are, of course, consequences for that. You probably heard about this story. Let me share it verbatim as it appears. Uh, one of the best descriptions I had was on the uh, Today's TMJ4 um, website. This is, this is how they described it. A 16-year-old boy is dead and several others were injured in a car crash near 76th and Good Hope Tuesday night. Police say a suspected stolen vehicle was traveling on West Good Hope Road just before 9 p.m. Tuesday. Now, if you are not familiar with the Milwaukee area in the suburbs, Good Hope Road is one of the major east-west arteries that connects, I don't know, people who live on the east side or in the, 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 the east side, to to the west side. I mean, Good Hope Road is one. And Good Hope Road is, I think, typically thought of as being more of a safe way to travel than perhaps some of the other major east-west streets. Anyhow, police say a suspected vehicle was traveling on West Good Hope Road just before 9 p.m. Tuesday. Officers saw it. When officers attempted to stop the vehicle, the driver of the vehicle took off. A pursuit ensued. All right, ultimately, the driver of the vehicle pulled into oncoming traffic on North 76th Street. Now, 76th and Good Hope is one of the traditionally the busiest intersections in the city. Not the busiest, but one of the busiest. So the car, trying to get away from the cops, pulls into oncoming traffic, collides with another vehicle. Milwaukee police said the driver of the stolen vehicle, a 16-year-old Milwaukee boy, 16 years old, sustained life-threatening injuries and died at the hospital. Two 12-year-old girls were in the stolen vehicle. So you've got a 16-year-old and two 12-year-olds that have stolen a car, presumably, and are driving around the city in a reckless fashion, fleeing from police in a stolen car. A 16 and two 12-year-olds. Um... They were transported to the local hospital. They are in, uh, I think, one is in critical condition. The other is in stable condition. Police say the driver and passengers of the vehicle that was struck 
was in stable condition as well. The description of this in the uh, Journal Sentinel talks about how I, I think almost, uh, I, I don't think the two passengers, the driver and the two passenger, passengers, surprise follows surprise, were not wearing seatbelts. I guess, you know, you don't wear seatbelts if you're fleeing from the cops in a stolen car. Inside the other vehicle were three males, two of them 18, one 19. Um, those are in stable conditions. Two suffered life-threatening injuries. One had serious injuries. All 16s are from the Milwaukee area. Okay, so one kid dead, two 12-year-olds in very, very serious condition, and three other people that are, you know, suf- sustained life-threatening injuries, but they think that they're going to pull through. But here's the bottom line. See, that could have been you. That could have been me. That could have been your spouse. That could have been your kids. That could have been your grandkids. It- it's 9 o'clock at night on 76th and Good Hope, and you have some 16-year-old with two 12-year-olds in the car fleeing cops in a stolen vehicle. And and this this is what happens because he's a 16-year-old. He loses control or whatever he's trying to do. He's driving in this reckless fashion. He pulls into oncoming traffic, and now you have one person dead, and only but for the grace of God, the fact that there's not five more dead. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How many more of these cases do we have to have before collectively the community rises up and says enough is enough that stealing it's not just the act of stealing cars that that's a big deal but it's not just the act of stealing cars but it's what people do once they steal the car whether they're using it to commit other crimes or they're just taking it on these joy rides this is not harmless behavior and i guess i look at this and say it shouldn't take a kid dead and five others seriously injured for us to say, oh, this is really a big deal. Because every time one of these kids steals one of these cars, it is there but for the grace of God that something like this does not happen. I mean, it's just any time you got some 16 or 15 or 14 year old or 17 or whatever driving 80, 90 miles an hour, what they were doing, driving recklessly, driving the wrong way on streets. Now, I understand a lot of times it doesn't end up in people being dead, but this 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 happens almost every time. And in this particular case, it was the kid that was driving ended up dead. That is a tragedy. It is extremely unfortunate. But it, it again, it could have been anybody. A lot of times it's just. You know, the, the poor folks who are in the intersection with the light when the kid decides to blast through in the stolen car at, you know, 80 or 90 or 100 miles an hour, a lot of times it's the innocent bystander that gets killed. I have been talking about story after story after story like this for the last 10 years, probably the last 15 years. And whenever we talk about it, people are appalled, they are disgusted, and we're no closer to doing anything about it now than we were 10, 15 years ago, except the problem, no surprise, is getting worse. What is it going to take? And for people who say, Jeff, what is your answer? answer my answer is simple it is start to lock up the people who commit these crimes because at least if they are locked up that means that they're not going to be out on the street to continue stealing cars and driving in these types of fashions we do nobody a favor by putting people on double or triple or quadruple secret probation we do nobody a favor by taking a 14 year old car thief who's boosted six cars and sending them back to the same parents who haven't been able to stop them from committing crimes in the first place how many more people are going to have to die 
before we recognize that we got to do something. 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Oh, by the way, I, I feel better now. Journal Sentinel story. Police and other officials for years have sounded the alarm about Milwaukee's reckless driving program. A cadre problem. A cadre of city officials announced a new billboard campaign discouraging reckless driving. And they all touched on the troubling problem of people as young as 12 years old stealing cars and using them for joyriding and driving dangerously. We've got a billboard campaign. So that 16-year-old who's who's driving the stolen car, don't know how he got it, with the two 12-year-olds who are in the car fleeing from the police at a high rate of speed and driving down the wrong side of the street and involving themselves in a crash that kills the driver and seriously injures five people total must not have seen the billboard look i don't have a, i don't mean to be smart I, I don't have a problem with if you want to put up billboards discouraging it but that's not what the problem is some 14 or 15 year old that's going to steal a car and drive 100 miles an hour through the city and wreck it and then do whatever and then bail on it and then try to steal another car a billboard's not going to discourage them why don't we just Why don't we just wake up and realize we have to deal with the problem, which is the criminals. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Just a quick update. I was watching TMJ4 last night, and uh, they did say that the driver of the other car that was run into uh, also died. He was 18. Yeah. And he was on his way to the Bucks game. Yeah. And his mother, I, I cry for his mother. I do. But his mother's blaming the police. She started to blame the police. She said she wants answers from the police on why this happened. And, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we would not have imagined blaming the police for this. We would have said blame the criminals. Well, well, right. It's so that's really disturbing. See, that's what really scares me is I look, I know that intersection. I drive that intersection all the time. I mean, I grew up in Glendale and we used to go to there used to be a restaurant I'd go to on 76 and Good Hope. I know that intersection. Well, I I know how busy it is. And I'm just trying to imagine somebody driving at a high rate of speed. So the the question and you're probably right. There will be some people who say, well, the police, we shouldn't have chased it once they once they saw the car recognize it was stolen once it took off at a high rate of speed we should have just let it go well i i don't buy into that either i mean it's just like blame the no. person who did it which is the people who stole the car or the kid who's driving the car it, it's it seems to me it's so self-evident but we refuse to hold people accountable and people die when we fail to do that absolutely you're okay. right no th- thanks for going. and again it's just and this is one this is an issue where i think the public is so far ahead of the, the chattering class, the elected officials, and the policymakers at the district attorney's office, and the judges who are so afraid to hold people accountable. Oh my gosh! Well, you know, if, if we start if we start holding people accountable and we start sending people away to jail to, to discourage them from doing this, we're going to end up sending too many of this type of person or that type of person away. Whereas is the answer is if we don't do this, all you are doing is making a community unlivable. And I, I, I just I mean, and it's it's not just look that the 16 year old who was driving the stolen car. It is a tragedy that he has lost his life. There, there's no doubt about that. But 
but he he at least is the catalyst be behind that because he's the one in the stolen car who decides to flee from police. It's you know you've got that those innocent people who are just in the very wrong place at the wrong time. But you start to wonder in the city of Milwaukee and surrounding suburbs now with all the reckless driving and stolen cars and people who just aren't held accountable, is there, are we all just a moment away from being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, thank you for taking my call, uh, Jeff. Uh, Great show. So at this point, listen, Let's talk about the two 12-year-olds that were in the car. How does a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old get together? You got two 12-year-olds in the car, a 16-year-old in the car. The mother comes out, which I I emphatically, she is a nut job. Okay, well, so she's a gr- she's a grieving mother. So I'm, I mean, she, she's a grieving mother. So I, 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 I cut I, I, well, I but I, I okay, but I do I cut people slack for I, that. I, I, yeah. I, I'm going down that road. So you got two 12 year olds in the car. Where where is the where is the parenting on this nonsense? But as we look at this, I do agree with the one alderman said. Bring in the national guard on this nonsense because I tell you what, Jeff. That could be me, yep. you, or anybody. I have kids. I have kids at this point. I'm just saying, just like you, you could be driving away from Team J radio yep. station. This is out of control. I do agree with a a National Guard standpoint on this situation because, so, yes, he lost his life. But you know what, Jeff? I'm going to tell you right now. I don't give two tears for that person. Well, and I see, and, I, and I'm going to stop you, Marcus, because I, I do, Marcus. Yeah, see, I'm going to stop you because I, I do. This is, it, it, it's a, there, there's no winners in this. There's, there's no winners in this. We don't have the death penalty for, for fleeing police or driving recklessly or stealing cars, but this is the logical step of, of what happens. It is a problem that has spiraled out of control, and it is a problem that the elected officials around here and the court, their, their answer is to put up billboards. Somebody just sent me a text. Yeah, like the car thieves read public service announcements. I mean, it's, look, I don't have any problem. Put up billboards all over, but that's, that's a ridiculous solution. Don't steal cars. Don't drive 100 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, that's going to stop these kids from doing it. The only thing people are going to understand is if there are consequences for this type of behavior. And the truth is there's none. Right now, there's absolutely none unless... It's one of these situations where you pay the ultimate consequence because you, you crash the car and you, and you hit other people and you kill other people. Yeah, once that happens, it becomes a, a, a big deal, and then we all talk about it. But, you know, the only reason this particular story is in the news is because it resulted in serious injuries and deaths. Cars, 25 cars a day are stolen in the city of Milwaukee. 25 cars a day. Now, not all of them get used in high-speed chases like this, but a lot of them do. And those stories, they don't make the newspaper, they don't make TV, they don't make radio, because what happens a lot of times is the kids crash them, they run away from them, and, and then, you know, it, it's just, it, nobody's injured. This is in the news because somebody's dead. But every time some stuff like this happens, almost used another word, every time some stuff like this happens, what ends up is that it's, it, it, it could happen every single time. When, when, when are we going to say enough is enough? How many more people need to die? 
I mean, seriously, Tom Barrett, how many more people need to die? How many more people need to die because before we start calling out the judges who won't hold people accountable? How many more people do we need to die before we don't call out the DA's office and charging decisions? How much more of this will the community take? I don't know the answer. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. I, I confess, I don't know what to make of the Bucks. I, I don't. I think they're a uh, talented but flawed team who when, has the potential to be by far, I think, the best team in the NBA with the talent that they have. And, and you see that sometimes and for stretches. And when the Bucks pass the ball, I, I sent out a, a tweet about uh, after the after I think the, the loss in the second game. And it was it was just look, I, I don't claim to be an expert on professional basketball. And I'm just I'm a fan like everybody else. And I watch this stuff. And it, it does seem to me that when when you pass the ball to open people for better shots, you, you tend to do better. And the, the Bucks have had this annoying habit all year of getting into these periods of time where where they they either rush up and they throw up the first shot they can find whether it's a good shot or not or whether what happens is one guy just dribbles and dribbles and dribbles the ball and then finally when two guys are on him decides to take a shot and and it almost never never works on the other hand when they pass the ball to open people it it's they, they do well and i i just you just never know what team's going to come out on a given night and you never know even in the middle of a game what what team you're going to find so i i don't know what to i don't know what to make of that and um i i do i i'm so glad that we have have Giannis in milwaukee i think he's an incredible superstar I think he's also a flawed superstar, and the, the the him coming down and continuing to just throw up three pointers that he he makes maybe one out of every eight or whatever that doesn't help the team, and yet he continues to do that. So I I don't I don't know. I, I still think the Bucks are a better team than Brooklyn, especially with the injuries that Brooklyn have. But how that's going to play out tonight, and if they win tonight, how it's going to play out. Um, in the final game this weekend, I, I, I just have absolutely no idea. Okay, we, we had an abbreviated program yesterday because there was an early Brewers game. I, I want to revisit something we talked about. I, I only had time to take one phone call, maybe two phone calls, and, and, and really not develop it. But it, it's, it's sort of a lighter kind of topic, but it, it does show that the future is here. For those of you who have not seen the story, Summerfest, which is going to be in September this year, Summerfest has announced that they, they are going cashless. You will not be able to purchase beer or food or anything else at Summerfest with cash. You will have to use credit cards or debit cards. In addition, what you can do, if you let's say you don't have a credit card or a debit card, there will be machines, kind of like ATM machines, where you can go and you can put in twenty bucks or forty bucks or whatever it is, and and you can get like a voucher for that money, and then you can use that voucher to to go and buy stuff. So you know, if you show up without a credit or debit card and you have cash, you will be able to convert it um, into a voucher. Somebody asked me the question about what happens if you have money left over. You know, kind of one of those deals like you go to one of the church events and you everything's tickets and you buy the stuff with the tickets and then you have a few tickets left over at the end somebody asked me whether you could redeem that and get cash back and i honestly don't know the answer i i just i i, I don't know I, I would assume you could but again i i don't know for sure but anyhow the big story is that it's going to be cashless 
this is the way American Family Field was for at least the first third of the Brewer season. You know, if, if you, I don't know how it's going to be moving forward, but if you went to American Family Field, they didn't take cash. You know, if you wanted to go up and buy a beer, you had to put your credit card in and, and then, you know, it asks you the various questions. It says processing. Sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it doesn't. Then it asks you whether you want to put in the tip or, or whatever, but you didn't have a choice. And it was the same deal. And I'm told that if you didn't have credit cards or debit cards, what you could do is there were machines around that you could put in cash and get the, the voucher. I, I didn't have to do that. I just used my, my credit cards. This is also comes on the heel of an experiment they did at um, uh, the Pfizer Forum where the Bucks would have not all vendors, but at least a handful of vendors that, that would not take cash. Um, you, you had to have the credit cards. Now, there, there's they say it's faster. I'm not sure I believe it's faster because it seems that maybe there's a learning curve for this, but it seems I'm inevitably in the line where you've got the person that's put the card in and they put the card in wrong and it's not processing or it's taking a while to process. And then they're trying to figure out because it'll say, do you want to tip 10 percent or 12 percent or put in your own percentage? My experience is it is not faster than simply giving the vendor, hey, it's it's 16 bucks. You give the vendor, you know, a 20, they give you four dollars back. I don't buy the idea that it is faster, at least in the transactions. Now, it might be faster at the end of the evening where you don't have to count up the money in the the register. It also, and they don't talk about this, but it also might reduce employee theft or, or error because you're not handling cash. And if you're a bartender at Summerfest and you've got a temptation to, I don't know, slip that $10 bill into your pocket as opposed to putting into the till, well, there's no $10 bill to, to put into your pocket. So from a perspective of theft, maybe that's the value to it. From the perspective of speed, I, I don't see that. From the perspective of convenience for customers, well, I, I don't think you can argue that this is nowhere near as convenient as having the option to use either cash or to use credit. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Maybe this is, in fact, the wave of the future. And I know people who, who just don't carry cash. They, they do this. It doesn't matter whether they're buying, you know, something for 75 cents or for $3 or whatever. They use their debit cards. They use their credit cards. I'm not that guy. I mean, I, I always have cash with me. And for small purchases, and I guess you can define small however you want, I, I routinely use cash for the small purchases. Larger purchases, I, I use the credit card. If I'm buying gas, I use the credit card because I just pay at the pump. So I'm not anti-credit card. But if I was to go in and buy a, a cup of coffee or a slice of pizza or something like that, I, I, I'm going to be paying cash. In addition, from the perspective of the merchants, when you use these credit cards, I mean, there there's there's a transaction fee that the credit card companies charge. Okay, 855-616-1620. Businesses like Summerfest, they, they certainly have the right. They, this is the policy. You want to buy stuff, you got to use the cards. Do you like it or not? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I fall into the category of I, I, I don't like it. I, I just, I, I don't. If the real reason we're doing it is to prevent employee theft, which is that probably the one that makes the most sense to me, okay, but then we should come out and say it. Convenience, I, I don't buy it because the people who want to do the transactions with credit cards, they can do it anyways. But, you know, I'd like to have the option of being able to pay for it with cash. And as we did mention yesterday, I think this is going to hurt tips because I think when you're paying with cash, you find that vendor, there's just... 
you pull out the $20 bill, it's 18 bucks. There, there's a real tendency to kind of say, oh, just, just keep it, you know, keep keep the, that extra $2. Whereas if you put the thing in and then it asks you, do you want to tip 10%? Do you want to tip 12%? Do you want to tip 15%? I think there's a lot of us that are sitting there doing the, how much is this going to be in the first place? And what's the math on this? I, and I think the, the default position on that is just no tip, move on. 855-616-1620, we discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, again, it, this isn't a question. To, does Does American Family Field have the right to do this? Does Summerfest have the right to do it? And this is the way of the future. It, it's they go cashless. So if you're going to conduct transactions, you're going to have to use a debit card, a credit card, or you can bring cash, you convert it, you can convert it into like a, a voucher, a credit card, a card that you can then use on the grounds. I don't know what happens if you have money left over at the end of the evening. I would presume you could get it back, but I'm not sure about that. But But the larger question is, all right, is this going to really make stuff faster? Is it really more of a convenience or... You know, it would be better to still have the option as somebody who is comp- – and look, I use credit cards. It's not like I pay for everything in cash, but for small transactions, I, I'm buying a I'm buying a soda and a hot dog, and it comes to like $8. I would rather simply give somebody a 10, say keep the change, and, and then move on as opposed to having to pull my credit card out of the wallet, put it in the machine, and then you know do the various math about do I want to leave a tip or whatever – I, it's that, that's for me that, that's easier but maybe i'm old school but of course as they often say no school like the old school randy and keel randy you're on wtmj hey jeff how you doing real well thank you what do you think you like this idea i've been up in a food concession business for over 30 years throughout the country at large fairs and festivals and it's it's an inconvenience to the customer we take we take right now we currently take we take plastic we take uh, debit, credit, Apple Pay, cash. When you require just one type of payment, the customer already is going through a hassle coming through the gate, paying admission. Now it's like, oh, we can't take your cash. Now you're telling them another step to spend their money. Mm-hmm. So I feel it's a, it's a disservice. And like you said, if they get a card at Summerfest, what do they do if they got $3 left in the card? Does that become breakage and go right into Summerfest's uh, pocket? Or, uh, or or can you re- or, see? My or, or, my or, guess or is you have to be able to get it re- reimbursed. But then to your point, then you got to go through another step to do that. Oh, it's the end of the evening. I got four bucks left, or I got two fifty left on the card. Even if you can cash it in, it, you you got to go through the trouble of doing it. Let me ask you this question, Randy. That the, one of the arguments is, if by doing this, by by going to plastic only, it it makes it more convenient. It makes the transactions go faster. I'm not sure I understand why that would be the case. What do you think? <laughs> I've experienced it. it. Yeah, overall, the technology, it goes quickly, but it's not any faster than cash. It's a matter of having, having your people working the counters trained. I mean, if I do cash and they order something and it's $15 and give me 20 bucks, boom, here's your 5 bucks back. It's right. just as quick as cash. Um, right. the, the biggest problem at busy times is people pulling out their purse and pulling out pulling yeah. out their card and not being ready to pay. That takes longer. And then if you do the tip thing, which I I do occasionally, if you do the tip thing, you're right. Then people, it's another moment longer when you have these peak times where you need to move, right. move volume, move, move people. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to do the math. No, no thanks for calling. And I guess 
Now, look, I, I appreciate that there is a, a learning curve on this, and you're right. It's, okay, you, you get up, you, you know, if you pay cash, normally speaking, people have that, that money in their hand when they get there, right? You have to train people. you got to have the credit card. I, I swear, part of the problem is people, you know, you, you put the credit card in, you you, you know, you got to reverse it. It's, you, know, you have to put this in. The, this is a chip card. You have to put it in there. And, and then, oh, you didn't put that in all the way or processing, processing, processing. It, it's just, I, I guess... I understand that it's sort of a first world problem in a way, but I just, I'm not sure I buy the idea that it is a lot more, I'm not sure I buy the idea that it is faster, you know, maybe as fast, but it is in fact an inconvenience. Okay, let's see, uh, text line. Jeff, I love the debit card idea. It's about time. I never bring cash. If you run out of cash, the ATMs at Summerfest would probably charge you $10 per transaction. I'd like them to take a step, one step further and have the machines. Um, so all you have to do is wave your phone after that and on that and the transaction is complete. Um, Jeff, I think, uh, let's see, um, on the dollar bill, it says legal tender for all debts. Does that maybe leave these places open for a lawsuit? No, no, you can, I mean, you can, you can say, for example, that we don't, uh, take bills larger than 20s. I mean, there, there's nothing merchants have, you, you don't, Merchants can say we don't take coins. They don't have to accept the cash for the transaction. So that's not a problem. Jeff, um, I use cash only and I tip with cash even if I use my debit. Um, plus, of course, now there's no freeway flyers as well. Going to be a tough year for Summerfest. Jeff, I think this is about employee theft. Can you imagine the kerfuffle um, that says that happens on a Saturday night at 1030 in the Miller Stage area? I'm glad I don't work down there anymore. Well, I, I do think... From a from a an employee theft perspective, it, it makes it it makes it more difficult. You're not handling cash, so you're not in a position where you're tempted to slip that ten dollars in in your pocket. And 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 even if it's not that, you're not making the errors. I mean, you're you, you know there's there's not you don't have to make change, so you don't have to run into a situation where you know you're supposed to give somebody a five back and you reached into the wrong drawer and you gave them um you ended up giving them a ten. So th- there's that. Jeff, my 19 and I, son and I are going to the Bucks game. I'm bringing some cash, but I remembered that it will be credit debit only, which I find very inconvenient. It's much easier paying in cash when I'm at a professional sports event. Um, so I'm surprised there hasn't been some backlash from people. Well, that, that's the rules they have. Jeff, I don't like it. Um, I like you. I always have at least a hundred, they said a hundred dollars on me. I don't always have that. Um, and I save my large purchases for my credit card. My neighbor will use a credit for a dollar purchases. There's been times when I just gave him a dollar. Seems to me it's more trouble than it's worth. Um, Jeff, they don't have to worry about counting my cash because I will not be there. Um, Jeff, um, let's see. Um, somebody says cash equals boomer. <clears throat> you know, that's it. We're, you know, that's the, the way of dismissing us baby boomers because ah, you're just a boomer. You know, you don't, you don't know what's going on nowadays. If you, if you pay for cash with anything, it's just you're a boomer. I, look, I, I think I, I understand, the, but the idea, the idea of pulling out a credit or debit card to buy a $2.20 cup of coffee at a Starbucks or whatever just makes no sense to me. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm sorry, I, and I understand maybe you get points for this, but the merchant's got to pay a fee. You've got that transaction. I don't want to have to worry about paying that off at the end of the month. I mean, big purchase, and I'm not against using credit cards at all. I, I use credit cards all all the time. I'm just for the small purchases. I, I, I don't. I don't want to have that hanging around, and I continue to like to use cash. But 
maybe those are the dinosaurs and maybe the the reality is moving forward more and more stuff is going to be cashless at least Summerfest 2021 is going to be cashless this is Jeff Wagner stick around you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ now here's a text that's the other side of the issue. Jeff, for most transactions, credit cards are probably much faster. During the time you would normally spend handing someone cash and then them giving you change, the person is instead grabbing your hot dog and your pretzel. I also believe the overwhelming majority of customers are already familiar with how they should use their credit cards in this circumstance. And my response was, I don't know about the overwhelming majority. And again, all I have is my personal experience standing in line with people who are trying to figure out what the right way to put the credit card in the machine is and then waiting for it to process and process and process and then come back. Um, I, so I, I am sure that there is is a learning curve with this and, and everything else. And maybe this is just a way of forcing us to stop using cash. And and yes, I understand in some transactions it can be faster. Overall, though, still not convinced. But regardless, this is the way it's going to be. So if you're going to some of these events, be prepared to understand that cash is no longer king. Do you carry cash? I do carry cash. Yeah. So when, when, when do you use cash as opposed to a credit card? I use cash when I go out for beverages. Like, I like, like to tip with cash, and right. I and I yeah, and I, I do pay. I do the Dave Ramsey system, so I, uh, that you do to help keep it help, helps it you keep me, track of your expenses. Yes, it helps with my budgeting personally. Right, right. Um, now you'll use a credit card for like a larger purchase or something. For right? sure, I'll use debit card, credit card. Yes. Right now, Gru, you you do not you do not carry cash for all intents and purposes, right? No, no, I don't even. I mean, I can't really think of. The last time I carried cash, I think when I when I would be going out of town, I'd pull out maybe sixty bucks out of the ATM and see where that takes me. But usually, there's so if sixty bucks still in my wallet when I come right, home. Right. So if you're if you're stopping on the way in to get a bagel or a donut or a cup of coffee or whatever that might be, you're you're going to regardless of how small or large a purchase that is, that's going on your debit card or your credit card. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yep. interesting. I, it, it's and then I'm, we're gonna we get a number of texts from people because I, you know, with with the like the, the stadiums and Summerfest and start going cashless. My, my position is I think that's going to hurt tipping because I think that there's a tendency for people. It, it, it you pull out a twenty, it's eighteen dollars. You say keep it. Whereas when you <clears throat> when you're in that that line and the, and the thing comes up and says, do you want to tip ten percent? Do you want to tip fifteen percent? You know, somebody's trying to do the math. Yeah. Okay, how, how much is it? This exactly whatever. Now a number of people are saying, well, Jeff, you can always bring cash, and that's what they're saying that, that you can bring cash, and there'll be tip jars, and you can throw the cash in. That's that's way too much trouble. I mean, that that's so. So then you're expecting somebody to okay. You have your credit card. You pull it out. You pay for it with the credit card. You put that back, and then you pull cash out of your oh, pocket. Wait, let me grab my cash now. I, I, I just. I, I mean, I, yes, you can theoretically do it. Maybe some people do, but I. I, I don't know. So he, <clears throat> Gru is the youngest of the three of us. He's. He, he just. He's exclusively like the plastic. You're kind of you know more cash, but. Because of again, it just helps you manage your money. I'm a little mixed, yeah. And, and I'm I'm a lot mixed. I mean, I was trying to think of today. I got my hair cut this morning, and I I, I paid the lady who care, cuts my hair. I paid her in cash. It looks you nice. Know? Thank thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. I, I paid I paid you know I I just paid with cash. I mean, I guess they would have taken credit cards, but at the back of my mind, I figure I know they charge her you know a couple percent probably to process that. I've got the cash. I, I just you know, her. Jeff, I do the same thing. I just it depends on what occupation it is, sort of. Like if it's a bartender or something, I want to give them cash. I don't know. Yeah. I think um, 
I don't know if it makes a difference, but if they get their cash tip, I think oh, right. that means a lot. But yeah, no, and I'll I'll do that. And then I'm trying to think. We had uh, and small businesses too. Well, that that's it. We yes. had. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of the other thing. The 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 lady that that grooms my dog, Sasha. She 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 comes to our house, so she came to our house today, and I left. I mean, my wife took care of the transaction because I was, was at work. But I mean, I, I left I left cash on the table again, and so we just we just paid her. Presumably, we paid her in cash. I mean, I know I'm sure she would have had the thing and taken the credit card, but I keep thinking, okay, she's going to have to pay a percentage on that, and it's a small business, and you know, now if I'm buying if I'm buying furniture or something like that, and if if it's that's totally different, well, you're not going to you know bring a two thousand well, dollars. Well, right, right. Or, or you're in a restaurant and it's a nice meal, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I it's so I'm not adverse to using plastic. It's just it's interesting, and maybe it's a it is a generational thing, but for small small purchases. It's it's just easier for me to to give them the ten dollar bill or the twenty dollar bill than it is to here's the credit card let's go through all this stuff. Yeah. So every check, I don't know, I don't know if this is like too much information, but I do take a certain amount of money out cash, just so I have it. I do right. my envelopes with Dave Ramsey, and that's kind of how I budget my money. And for me, if I don't have any cash in the envelopes, then I'm I'm good. If I keep swiping on my card, I, you know, I, I constantly check my account online, right, right. but it's just one extra step. That, okay, if I don't have cash, then I didn't budget that. And obviously, I know some places don't, you know, it's yeah. easier to swipe your debit card. But for me, that works. And it could be just a mental, oh. um, you know, it w- whatever, debit card thing. No, but. W- whatever works, works. Yes. Absolutely. Hey, when we come back, are you ready to go electric? Stick around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner is back. Absolutely. All right. Here's one final text on that. Jeff, um... I was listening earlier the commercial you do for the brewers and to, to volunteer to work the concession stands at the home games. Um, I do that. Working the games early in the year, we were actually tipped better when it was cashless versus now when the stands have reopened with cash. Interesting. Well, I mean, I guess I mean I, I can see that because in some respects maybe people can't do the math. You know, and and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's kind of like how much was this and cuz they don't give you an amount to tip. It'll just be like a percentage. So maybe somebody just routinely hits the I'll tip 15% or I'll tip 20% and maybe that's more than they otherwise would do. Um interesting. Um what's the cliche? It is what it is. All right. General Motors, which for several years fought efforts to try to increase emission controls and mileage requirements on on cars because they were making a whole bunch of money making internal combustion engines and right now the big money in in automobiles is in trucks you know it's people people want the Ford F150s people want the SUVs passenger cars less desirable collectively i'm not saying you don't want a passenger car or you might not drive a passenger car but collectively right now that the money is in the trucks the money is in the suv and that's where the consumer demand is now gm made some headlines a while back that the new ceo announced that um they are they're putting a ton of money into the electric vehicle field and that their their goal is that by 2035 which would be but 14 years or so, their goal is to no longer produce anything but electric cars and trucks. They they think that in the next 14 years, they're going to be totally electric. They have a goal of selling 1 million electric vehicles a year by 2025, which is only four years from now. Now, the electric vehicle market makes up a, a tiny 
tiny part of the overall automotive market, you know, right now. Just it's just a, a tiny portion of it, just a couple of percent. Um, let's see, two percent of the new car market. Electric vehicles are a niche product, making up just two percent of the new car market, and one percent of all cars, SUVs, vans, and pickup trucks on the road. So here in 2021, for all intents and purposes, electric vehicles have a very—I mean, they say it's niche. That's a real tiny niche, and GM as Ford and as well as a couple other manufacturers, they think this is the wave of the future. And they believe that, again, within the next, well, four or five years, they can sell a million of them. And within the next 15 years, they can go to exclusive production of non-gasoline-powered cars, all-electric vehicles. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is something like this doable? And what would it take for you to buy an electric vehicle. Now, I I know people, not too many, but I know some people who own uh, uh, electric vehicles. I own I know a friend of mine has one of those really really expensive, you know, Teslas. Uh, loves it. But it's kind of sort of a niche sort of car because you you can't you, you there's not enough charging stations around right now to to drive it. You, you, you can't drive it cross-country for all intents and purposes. But to spin around town, which is what he uses it for, um, it, it's it's perfectly fine, and it's kind of fun, and it's a sort of fun car to drive, and I like how it, run, it rides and things like that. But would I, would I buy an electric car for a daily driver or a car that I might want to take on a long trip? The, the answer would be no. Again, maybe this is just a boomer thing, although I know there's boomers that are into the electric vehicles. I just... I'm not sure what it would take to get me into an electric vehicle. It would take a lot longer battery life. It would take years of proving that the things are reliable. It would take years of being convincing me that, gee, what happens when the battery dies? How much is it going to cost to replace it and things like that? I guess I just think it's overly optimistic to suggest that all new cars by 2030, by 2035 are, are going to be electric. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you ready to make the switch to electric? And, and if so, or if not, what would it take for you to get to that point? We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, is environmental impact really a lot less with all that electricity that will need to be generated to charge millions of vehicles? And how will the batteries be disposed of? Um, you know, that's, you know, that, that is an interesting thing. You know, on our news broadcast today, we were talking about, there's a report about, you know, you, it, it's hot all across the country and you've got these concerns down in Texas, for example, about, you know, is the power grid going to hold up? Well, okay, imagine, imagine the power grid today and they're worried about whether it's going to hold up with air conditioning if everybody in the state of texas or 70 percent of the people in the state of texas are driving electric vehicles and now they're plugged into the power grid having to charge them i mean i think that's a that that that's a reasonable sort of issue because i mean the energy has to come from somewhere i think sometimes people 
just look at the at the plug on the wall and don't recognize that that's being generated from somewhere. During the break, I was just looking around our studio, and I, I mean, I, okay, I've been here at TMJ for twenty three years, and I just I look at all the the new st- the stuff that we have now, all the different computer screens, and I think of how it was twenty years ago when I started, twenty three years ago. I look at all the TV screens and all the digital stuff. The the, the amount of power we're using now, not just including what it takes to get us on the air, is so much greater than it was twenty years ago. Okay, where where is this energy going to come from? It's still going to have to be generated. It doesn't magically appear, and I guess that's that's a concern I have. Jim in Beloit. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. I have one important point to touch upon. I've listened to your broadcasts regarding this subject before, but I think you, you keep missing one particular point that I think is more important than all of the other ones combined. Now, yes, I agree with you on all the other points. They have significant work to do uh, for charging, um, the amount of charge it can hold and the distance it can go and this, that, and the other thing, the stations. But the single most important thing is the time it takes to charge. Mm-hmm. Nobody in this day and age is going to stand there for more than five minutes while the car charges. Yeah. No, you're no, no, Jim. Thank that. That's a that that is a valid point. Now, I, I, I was thinking of my buddy who has the the Tesla. He he only uses it for it. He parks it in a garage in his condo. There is a charging station right next to his parking slot, and and he drives it around. I mean, I I don't know what his mileage he gets. Maybe maybe two hundred, maybe two hundred fifty miles. I, I I don't know. But regardless, it's it's plenty enough for his, his daily trip or around town and things like that, or going out to dinner or whatever. He comes back and you plug it in. Okay, that that that's that's fine. And it's but it, it's not his daily driver. And so I mean, I think that's a fair question that you asked Jim. What about you you want to you want to go you want to take the family on a trip this summer and you decide we're going to drive from Milwaukee to we're going to go to Mount Rushmore okay well all right um even assuming that you're going to be able to find charging stations along the way let's put that out of the question you know how long is it going to take to, to charge these things are you going to be able to develop the technology where you get that high speed charging thing cuz right now Let's say you get five, six hundred miles to a tank a gallon. Make it five hundred miles. All right, you're, you're driving. You drive the five hundred miles. You pull off into the gas station. You you fill it up. It takes you. You know, by the time the kids go to the bathroom and you know you, you know your spouse goes and grabs a pop or whatever, you're you know you're, the car's filled up. You're ready to go. Boom, you're back out on the road. If you've got the again the electric vehicle, how long is it going to take to charge? And I think that's a valid point too. It, I understand in some cases they're working on these high-speed charging things, and, and maybe they'll be as plentiful as gas pumps, and maybe it'll be one of those deals where you, you can get a full charge in another four or 500 miles or whatever it is after only five minutes. But you're right. If, if you got to sit around for an hour and 15 minutes to get a full charge so you can go another 300 miles, who, who's, who's going to do that for their daily driver? I mean, for or for something you're going to take on, on road trips. Yes, it, it will be a niche for the person that that can afford it and can drive around, you know, and just uses it to drive around town, but the daily driver, I don't know. 855-616-1620. Jeff, the um range has increased to 400 miles per charge on on many vehicles. Yeah, I, I on and I think, you know, that's something that makes it definitely more desirable. Um there, there's no question about it, but that's to me, that's it's the range that's going to be one of the principal issues that's there. It's going to be the recharging time that's there, and it's going to be the number of recharging stations that that are out there, especially 
especially if it's a situation where you're in a position where you, you everybody has them. You know, right now, where it's it's sort of a novelty, you don't have as many charging stations. Look, and I understand I'm getting some nasty texts from people who who just love these electric vehicles, and that's great. I'm glad if you love them. That that's that's wonderful, and I'm glad if you can afford them. And once the government subsidies go away, that'll be even better if people can still afford them. But right now, in general, they're not affordable, and I continue to believe that they are not practical number of people are saying hey you know we're contractors um you know how are we going to be able to pull our camper are we going to be able to do heavy work with our electric trucks um don't necessarily want to you know count on that um jeff americans living in california when they have storms the storms knock down the trees the trees knock down the power lines and then california has to have rolling blackouts because of forest fires and if you can wake up in the morning you have to plug your vehicle in in order to make it work i'm sure that's going to make a lot of people in the world very happy with having to drive an electric vehicle well that that is in fact you know one of the issues that, that's out there, you know, rolling blackouts, you're stuck. But but keep in mind, again, you, you have to figure out a way. To, you have to increase the power grid. You, you have to provide more electricity for people to use if you're going to dramatically increase it. Um, Jeff, not only waiting for it to charge, but what stations are going to have charging abilities? When you need to get gas on a road trip, you can't wait until that gas station to see what it has and it doesn't have. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, that's it. Somebody says, yeah, Jeff, they're going to put a solar panel recharger in. Um, I I don't know. Um, and this conversation is embarrassing. These are just great. I'm disappointed to hear you say you can't drive a Tesla cross country. Of course, you can drive a Tesla uh, cross country. You just have to plan ahead. You have to figure out, OK, where am I going to go to get a charge? And then you have to, um, again, plan. He said the majority of charging is done overnight. OK, I get it. I, I understand. So you're driving cross country, so you have to plan it out. All right, this well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to drive 350 miles today, and I'm going to stop at this place because they've got a charging station. And then tomorrow I'm going to drive another 400 miles, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to plug it in. Yeah, yes, you can do it, but that's a lot of planning. So for all you folks who've got the electric cars, go with God. That, that's great. I just think for the rest of us, between the expense and right now the inconvenience, we're we're not there yet. And if you want to continue to have the electric cars, that's great. But I just don't think the rest of us are going to be in a position where we're ready to give up the internal engine, combustion engine in the space of the next 14 years. I think it's pie in the sky to think so. Candidly, I would think that there'd be more a more realistic approach would be rather than trying to go the all-electric route with the strain on the power grid, there'd be more emphasis on the hybrid stuff where you get significant you know, uh, mileage enhancements, but you don't necessarily have to have all the problems of electric vehicles. But for those of you who have and love your Teslas, that's great. I'm happy for you. I just don't think everybody else is going to be in them in the next 14 years. Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, Melissa, what we need, it, we need rain, but we don't need these big thunderstorms. We need a nice, gentle, <laughs> soaking rain. Is yeah, it, if, if, if we could, that would be nice. Uh, but I kind of like a good old thunderstorm. Uh, no, I'm not. Like that. No, I, it, it, you know, when I was... Um, 
When I was in college, one, one summer, my job was I worked as a messenger at a law firm. So I was, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was, it was actually a great job because what you would do, in, and it was in downtown Milwaukee, and so what would happen, it, 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 so there were a bunch of older retired guys and then the, who didn't like to go out of the office, and then they, they hired a bunch. <laughs> no, they, they, they like had about that. six yeah, or yeah. seven college kids, and you know, and, and we got the, the long-haul stuff. And I, I always remember one of the best gigs was to get something like you had to go up to, to the Marquette Law Library, and I used to love it. I love the way the city smells after a nice, gentle rain. I mean, you, know, you don't want to be out in a, outside in a monster thunderstorm, but one of those mm-hmm. things is the summer rain, and it, it's come down, and then I just love the way the city smells. That, like that a would fresh, be a, like a fresh, right, a smell. fresh sort of mm-hmm. thing. You know, we, we need somebody to volunteer, you know, to go thirty-five blocks or whatever. I'm I'm down with that. You know, get me out of the office and get outside and stuff. Well, here you got a bus pass; you can take the bus. No, I'm going to walk. I'll take my time and do that. Oh, so nice, yeah. It was cool. No, so but I but we don't. Maybe, maybe this is that climate change stuff that I keep hearing so much about. It's more and more. It's not that gentle soaking rain. It's the big thunderstorm. It's extreme. Yeah. It's it, not. Yeah. It, let's. I would love the gentle light. Yeah, but you like the thunderstorms too. I, you might get a thunderstorm tonight. I huh? like them at night when I'm sleeping. <laughs> okay. Maybe not being caught out in it is uh-huh. not the best thing, but uh, you know. Yeah. I guess I can't. I, I can't I, be too I, choosy. See, I know a lot of people whose pets just freak out during thunderstorms and stuff. Mine does. Mine does not. Mine really? just kind of. Yeah. yeah. She. She just. Just goes. I think they have special blankets for pets that you know, or you can give them like a CBD gummy or something. <laughs> okay. I've heard okay. of that. I, I'm I don't not, know. I, I'm 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 not getting my dog high. You know, no, I know. Don't send me the text. I know, I know. the CBD yeah, yeah. stuff isn't like that. I've got some guy who owns a Tesla who's just. I can't believe that you're not saying that. You know, these are the greatest <laughs> things in the world. We should all be driving them. And yeah, no. Um. Okay. All right. All right. What's the Beatles song? Let it be. See, my, my reaction to this story is, is let it be. Do we have an obligation to protect people from being stupid? Do we have an obligation to protect young people from being stupid? And if somebody decides that they're going to do something stupid, um, is it, you know, maybe fair to just let them suffer the consequences of being stupid? Here's the story. Um, high school senior in Cambridge, New York. All right. It. And what they do, they put out the high school yearbook every year, and it's got, you know, the pictures of the seniors in it. And they apparently have a list for every senior. They have a list of, like, different things. What's your favorite sport? You know, what you know what do you hope to be in life? You know, they ask a series of questions, and then they put the questions, they, they put the answers to the questions under the kid's picture. All right, so one of the questions that they asked at Cambridge Junior Senior High School this year was, what is your favorite book? All right. What is your favorite book? Now, I mean, now think to yourself, what would you answer that? Maybe, maybe it's, I don't know, to, to Kill a Mockingbird. Maybe it's the, Bar- the biography of Barack Obama. I don't know what it is. But, you know, they, they ask you to put your favorite book. This kid, in his yearbook questionnaire, puts Mein Kampf. And for people who might not be familiar with it, Mein Kampf was the book written in 1925 by by um um, Adolf Hitler, and a large part was written when he was in jail, as a matter of fact, that outlines the tenets of, of Nazism. Um, I tried to read it once, and it's I, just from a historical perspective, and it, it's just, aside from the hatred it spews and all that, it's just, you, you can't you can't get through it. it it's a, it is an, no surprise here. Hitler wrote a very, very impossible to read book. Uh, aside from, from all the all the stuff that lays the groundwork for the horror that was Nazi Germany and the Holocaust and all that. So this idiot kid lists Mein Kampf 
as his favorite book. Now, I don't know if Mein Kampf really is his favorite book or if the idiot kid decided that he thought this would be funny. But but he puts this in and, and nobody catches it. So they print all these copies of the yearbook and they distribute the thing and there's the kid's picture and there, you know, what's your favorite book? And it says Mein Kampf. And so after this gets distributed, some people see it and they go, Oh my God, this kid, this kid's put, put Mein Kampf in there. You know, what kind of idiot is this? And, and then they try to, you know, figure out how to handle it. So that apparently about 40 copies of the yearbook had been distributed, but they had printed 145 copies. So to, to reprint the yearbook, taking out the, the objectionable line would cost, cost north of $10,000. And so, you know, that's that's what they're doing. They're recalling they're recalling the yearbook. They're not going to distribute it because of, of what this kid did. And again, I don't know whether it's a practical joke that he thought he was playing or whether he seriously believes this. If it's a practical joke, it's not funny. If he seriously believes this, the kid's got problems. But here's my question. 855-616-1620. All right. Should the school just have let it be? I mean, it. He did it. There's no question about it. It's not like this is some mistake. This is what the kid did. And yes, having this out there in a yearbook will follow him for the rest of his life. If he applies to be a federal judge, you know that the people opposing him are going to look it up and they're going to say, hey, do you realize this guy said that Mein Kampf was his favorite book? Um, and he can explain that it's a joke or he can explain that this is really what he did. Should the school have recalled the yearbooks, or should they have simply let it be? My answer, and, and look, and I'm as appalled by this as anybody, but, but maybe, maybe, given the fact that it's going to be like 10 grand that it's going to cost, maybe you should learn to live with the consequences of some of the stuff you do. And, and certainly having the yearbook with this, this statement associated with you, yeah, there's going to be consequences. Should the school be protecting the kid by calling it back? And I'm not sure, by the way, that they're really even going to protect the kid by calling it back because they're trying to recall. There's already a whole bunch of yearbooks that are out there. So just like the bell that's been rung that can never be unrung, I'm not sure by pulling it back and trying to issue, you know, print up a whole new one at a cost of more than $10,000. I don't know that you're really going to protect the kid. But should we be protecting the kid from his own either his own racial his own its own hatred or from his stupidity 855-616-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line or should we just say hey look buddy you know you made your bed now you have to lie in it we discuss in just a minute welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, it, it, this high school in, in New York, the kid, um, for the, they, they ask seniors a whole bunch of questions, and they, they put it in the yearbook. And one of the questions they ask is, what is your favorite book? And the idiot kid puts Mein Kampf, which is, of course, the 1925 treatise on Nazism written by Adolf Hitler before he, he took power. Um, and so nobody catches this in the editing process. They print um, like 145 copies of the book. 
Um, and, and then they catch it. They've distributed about 40 of them. Now they're desperately trying to recall those 40, and they're going to spend over 10 grand to reprint all the yearbooks without this objectionable phrase in. My question is, I don't know, should, should they just let it be? And and allow this child to suffer the, the consequences. Again, I don't know if he thought he was being clever, um, in which case he's got a really weird sense of humor, or I don't know if this child thinks that Mein Kampf really is his favorite book. Either way, the kid's got issues. But, you know, should we be protecting him? I mean, he did it. He did it consciously. Should we, in fact... You know, let it be. 855-616-1620, especially if it's going to cost the school and the taxpayers ten grand to reprint these books. And there's no guarantee that you're going to ever be able to unring that bell because people up there know who this kid is. Let's talk to Craig in Beaver Dam. Hi, Craig. You're on WTMJ. Well, Jeff, it's not a thing of protecting the kid and, and, and the money that it would cost to, to redo that. Think about, you know, as a you know, previous attorney, I'm sure you went through uh, a lot of scrutiny through, uh, you know, security clearances in, in your life, and, and as have I. And, you know, if, if you're trying to get a government job, whether you get a secret clearance, stop secret clearance, whatever, you, you're under scrutiny mm-hmm. from the, uh, you know, FBI sure. and everything. It costs the government a lot of money to do this research, and you're going to have to answer to being a friend or neighbor or whatever. And it's not just why this kid is 18. You may, may face it 20 years later. So he's affecting a lot of other people's lives and a lot of other people's careers by, you know, if it's his favorite book, put a reason behind it that he learned how not to be a hater or something. But okay, well, I, I, so I, I guess I'm not, not quite, I'm not quite following, Craig. Would you would you would you pull this? Would you reprint all the would you reprint all the yearbooks or not? Jeff, I, I hate to say it, I would I would let the, the kid suffer his consequences. I think you know uh, later in life you could answer yourself. I didn't know him, or even though he's a current neighbor of mine, you know uh, I don't share those beliefs. And hopefully, you know when you're going underneath one of those uh, scrutinies, that uh, you can explain that away. But you well, know it's something he's going to have to live with. It's not funny. No, no, it's no thanks. No, it's it's not funny at all. I guess I, I guess I hadn't. If somebody had done that for my high school and I was up for my FBI security clearance like I was before I got hired for the U.S. Attorney's Office and somebody came to me and said, I don't know, there was one person among the 530-some people that were in your high school graduating class who said Mein Kampf was their favorite one. I don't know that that would have affected my security clearance. I would have probably said, yeah, that's Harry, and Harry was always a strange guy or or whatever, or just, yeah, we just, you know, I, I guess... I, see that that becomes the question. It's do you do you save him for yourself? And and here, I mean, again, this is another one of these lessons that stuff like this follows you. And I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can by by re- recalling the yearbooks. I don't know that you protect the kid because this is going to be out there. The news has it. I mean, the, once the thing was published and distributed, boom, that's what happened. I guess the, the question becomes: Is this so offensive that you need to? Um, excise it, the fa- or or is it maybe is it a talking point and a teachable moment that you say, okay, there, there's a kid in this class, you know, that that thinks that either thinks it was funny to put this reference in, or alternatively, really believes in this reference. Either one of which would be scary. Gianni and Montello, hi, Gianni. Yeah, yes, Jeff. You know, I, I agree. I, I don't think the school is is liable. 
uh, one cent for this. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to keep out, to edit everything that a student, um, you know, posts in the yeah. book. Uh, and it goes to print and that's it. But no, uh, l- l- let him live with it and maybe let him revisit his his yeah. uh, dopey thoughts and then, uh, you know, just see where it goes. But no, just just as, as you know, as you said, you quoted McCartney, you know, just let, let it, it be. <laughs> and, um, he, you know, and, and to, to quote well, what I, I put in my book, um, it was from a, a similar uh, talented writer. Uh, wheels within wheels in a spiral array, a pattern so grand and complex. But time after time, we lose sight of the way our causes can see their effects. And that is by whom? Who is the writer? Neil Peart. Neil Peart. Okay, got uh, it. We, we lost you. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay, now thanks for calling. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I see that's that that's it. And I understand the consternation. But to me, the, the big issue here isn't that it's it's in the yearbook. And, and I, I wouldn't be recalling the yearbooks or, or things like that. It's not that it's in the yearbook. Um, it's or that somebody missed the fact that, that this kid put it. It's the fact that that somebody thought that this was appropriate to put in the yearbook. And to me, that's on the kid. It's not on necessarily the editors. And, yeah, I'm sure the editors are just looking at this. My my guess, it's kids that were editing the thing or maybe a faculty advisor who just, you know, you're just kind of reading the stuff. And and maybe for kids, maybe for a lot of kids, they didn't even know what Mein Kampf is. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily taught anymore in high schools and stuff like that. It certainly wasn't required reading, thank God, back, you know, when I was in high school or stuff. And and it's just so, I mean, it's entirely possible that if it's like student editors or whatever, they don't even know what Mein Kampf is. They're not going to take it out or they're not going to excise it. But do we need to protect the kid from himself? Um, Jeff, how long does it take to read every single word printed in a high school yearbook? Ten minutes? I'm more concerned about the fact that nobody in the high school staff proofread any of the yearbook i guess it see i would guess it's it's more of a project than that and it just my sense is it probably just didn't register um jeff i am more stuck with the cancel culture part of this stuff this so the book can't be stated as his favorite what other ones cannot be well I, I, i'm less concerned about that this is clearly I, this is clearly, I think, an, an inappropriate sort of thing. I guess that's the other aspect of this. I mean, if if Mein Kampf really is his favorite book, you know, if that's really true, you know, should he be able to express that? My guess is it's probably not. My guess is, at least my hope is, he thought he was being clever and this is just a really bad joke as opposed to this is a guy who is, in fact, a disciple of the teachings of Adolf Hitler, in which case there's all sorts of other issues as well. Um, Jeff, let him suffer the consequences. Toxicity has become trendy, and there are very few ways to combat it. Having social consequence for antisocial behavior is, in fact, a good step forward. Jeff, I would reprint all the yearbooks and hold the young man accountable. I'm not sure exactly how you do that. I mean, I, I, just, I mean, I understand that's the thing. Well, we're going to reprint them and we're going to charge your parents or you $10,000 or whatever it costs. And they say, I'm not going to pay this. I mean, it's, I, you asked a question. I answered it. You didn't edit it out. Why should I have to pay? Um, Jeff, the school should have left the life lesson consequence in place for the student. The school, school should be spending their efforts on questioning the yearbook advisor and their editors. Um, what's the real status of the editing? 
process. Jeff, don't cancel the original book or cancel free speech. People say and do stupid things all the time. Um, I think we could live with this yearbook. Jeff, I think they should just let it go. Maybe it is his favorite book, and it sounds like an autobiography and a part of history. I, I, well, I, I would hope his favorite book is not Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler, because like I said before, if that's really the case, there, there's much bigger issues than whether th- this kid's got a lot more going on in his life than, you know, being identified as is that, you know, in, in the yearbook. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.